On this episode of the Hyperfast Asian Podcast, we are joined by Lisa Thompson from the Thompson team in Miami, Ruth Krishnan from the Krishnan team in San Francisco, Noah Ostroff from the Philly Living team in Philadelphia, and Sam Karamian from Big Block Realty. Listen in as the top agent panel speaks at the Hyperfast Sales Summit. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Hyperfast Show, where we believe unlimited growth in business and life is created by surrounding yourself with people who have been where you are going. Learning from others allows you to compress time and grow hyperfast. And now, here are your hosts, Kerry Scholl and Dan Lesniak. Kerry and Dan are real estate developers, best-selling authors, billion-dollar agents, and million-dollar agent makers. And now, get ready to grow hyperfast. Well, well, let's dive right in. I, I uh, have known Ruth for a long time. I know she's a, a killer agent. Know we've met a couple times. Lisa, still have not had the pleasure to meet you, but looking forward to in the future. Uh, Ruth, let's start with you with for our first question. Uh, the first question that we wrote down for you is Ruth, uh, and how do you use it to become the most successful real estate one of the most successful real estate agents in the country? Awesome. Um, all right. So I think one of my superpowers is the fact that I'm really coachable and I love learning. So even though, you know, I I'm seen by a lot of people as successful, I'm actually always looking to raise the bar and learn from other people. And if someone is somewhere further along their path than me, or even otherwise, I'm just looking out there for new information I came from, you know, very small background, a little tiny town in Missouri, didn't have a lot of money growing up and definitely have, have had dealt with some mindset issues. And so working with professional coaching and different things like that to kind of understand what are my limiting beliefs and how do I break through those and different things like that. So I hear a lot of people who are, you know, successful in this field. And they say like, well, why would you need coaching? Like, why, why do you go to all this stuff? You know, and it's, it's honestly, I think we all do, right. We can all grow. And, and as soon as like grow or die, is kind of how I feel. I think that I'm a big believer. I agree with you, Ruth, that your success starts and ends with what you learn and the environment you put yourself in. So I know that all of us take our hats off. I literally still have my hat on. Uh, but we take our hats off to all of you going out there and doing this event right now. So good work. Uh, Lisa, let's jump to you with the next question. Uh, Lisa, what are some of the misconceptions real estate agents have about becoming a top performing agent? I think a lot of people think that it's really easy to be a top agent and the top agents know everything, but we're in the Miami market and the Miami market's always evolving. We have buyers coming sometimes from international. Right now, we haven't seen that with COVID. A lot of people are local. So I think a lot of top agents um, still have to learn new things and still have to change with the market. I think that a lot of people think that top agents um, have it easy. Like people never say no, but it's still really hard. Like I still lose listings all the time. You know, I'm lucky enough to have sold 4,000 properties in Miami, which is a lot, probably more than most agents. And there's still new things that I'm learning every day. So I think that um, it's a big misconception that agents know everything and that business is easy. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, something I always say when I'm coaching agents or whatnot is you look at someone that's winning a lot and you think that for them it's easy. 
But it's not so much easier. What's easier for them is dealing with the nose and dealing with the embarrassment and dealing with the rejection. It uh, doesn't matter how good you get. You're always going to deal with that stuff. So love to hear that, Lisa. Uh, so, Ruth, how important is being organized and what are your top three tips and tricks for staying organized on a regular basis? Well, one of the things I believe is that if you are not good at something, you should hire someone who is. (laughs) And so I think actually, probably if I had to guess, most really successful real estate agents are not the most organized people. And so um, I have a team that keeps me very well organized and very well accountable, but I can't really take credit for it on my own. Um, So one of the things that we use and anyone can use is Asana. We have Asana, I would say I'm a super user in Asana. We have it built out really, really well. Like, so for our listing present, our listing process or our buyer's process, there's probably 260 steps or something like that in there. And within each one is a template that's easy to follow with exactly what to say to clients and different things like that. So um, I think systems are really important. I personally wouldn't be good at building them, but I can certainly inspire other people to be good at building them. We also have checkouts on our team regularly. So um, I used to do them daily, but now most of my people have been with me for multiple years and are really, really the owners of their job. Um, some of the newer people that are coming in are still sen- seeing them, sending them daily. So it's just that daily accountability where, I mean, I find we talk about all the time, like in this job, like there's so much coming at you. If you're not writing down like every single thing that comes at you and so that you can reorganize it later, then you're missing stuff and you're dropping the ball oftentimes on really important things. So one of the things I do do personally is every day before I start work, I go back through my notebook from the day before, try to figure out what are my top three priorities that day, and then, you know, put them onto a to-do list so that I can reorganize them. And, you know, it's very simple, but it's very, very important. And when I don't do that, I really miss the key things that need to get done. I love also very unorganized. Being organized almost makes me sick to my stomach. So I can you know me well, Ruth. Checklists and systems like a sauna. Yeah, now where you're back. All right, well, let's jump to Noah then real quick. So Noah, I'll repeat the question for you now that you're with us. What's the biggest challenge in building a successful team today? So I would say the biggest challenges really lie in having to constantly update your value proposition to your agents and your customers or, or whatever business you're in especially in real estate, you know, if we're talking about marketing, we, we, we usually say you get about six to nine months out of any good marketing initiative before it doesn't work anymore. Either it becomes obsolete or somebody copies it off of you and then it's just sort of noise again. So constantly updating your value proposition is definitely one big challenge. Um, the number two is trying to keep the, uh, I would say trying to keep the, the, the feel of a small business or a small team as you start to grow and scale your business, right? So we all think about what, what our teams and our businesses were when they were smaller, maybe, you know, maybe fun things like you could go out to lunch with people every week uh, on your team, but as your team and as your business gets bigger, it's just not possible anymore. So how do you still keep that small feel and that, and that culture as you, as you grow? And the third thing I would say uh, challenge in any business is 
especially for me, is managing all the relationships, right? And, and I don't just mean in business, right? We have we only have limited amount of time in our in our days, and and as your businesses grow, and Sam, I know you have a big brokerage, and I have a big brokerage also with over five hundred people. Those people want your time, right? And you want to be able to give them your time, and then you have a team. And, and, and your team wants your time. And then you have customers and the customers want your time. And then most importantly, you have friends and you have family and they all want your time also. And that's probably the biggest challenge is trying to juggle all those relationships and figure out how do you manage the time and who do you give the most attention to and who do you have to say no to? Very well said, dude. It's, uh, you know, I think that Carrie and Dan do a great job on the culture side. And you guys are probably experiencing that being out at their event right now. Um, but I believe that everything you said is right. We just got to be focused on, on giving them the love and keeping the energy alive. And then also um, being real with sacrifice. Like Noah said, people are looking for balance. I don't know that balance is really real. I don't really feel ever balanced because when I'm trying to do one thing at the same time, I'm trying to do something else. Um, but I've learned to find find peace and comfort with the word sacrifice, right? When I'm taking the day off and spending time with my family, I'm being a good family man. Uh, and I'm sacrificing being a good business person for time. So it's all about finding the right sacrifices and, and paying attention. All right, Lisa, when a real estate agent wants to scale their business to the next level, uh, what's the most important thing to focus on and what steps do they need to take to make it happen? Well, I think it's really important to focus on the listings and the buyers that are making you money. When I first started in the business, I was 21 years old. I was really young. I would take really, um, you know, overpriced listings just so I could get buyer calls and I would have stuff to advertise. I would also take um, sellers that were a little bit more difficult to deal with and any price listing. So now I like to focus on the properties that I know are going to sell, sellers that really need to sell, not someone who says, hey, maybe one, I want to test the market. And you spend a lot of money marketing, a lot of open houses, a lot of brokers opens, and the house never sells. So I think you really need to work more efficiently to move your business to the next level. I think it's also really important to have a team and someone you can count on. Like, I'm lucky enough to work with my mother and my sister. And I have a, um, a backup system. So if I need to go show a property and someone calls last minute, I have someone that can assist me and help me. I think it's also important to have an assistant when you have a lot of listings that can help you. And I think you need to find, a, you know, what time in your business is a good time to hire someone. And then maybe even a buyer's agent. Like we've grown our business pretty fast. The first year I started, I had 26 listings in the first 30 days I started real estate. So we pretty much grew it really, really, really fast. And we built a team and it was, uh, it was great. But I think that it's really important for people to um, just focus on business that's going to make them money, set goals, Every day, look at your goals and see, you know, what listings are sellable, you know, what's going on in your market. Are there expired listening, listings that you need to be targeting? That's what I did a lot of, a lot of for sale by owners. You know, those are sellers that are screaming, help me. And I think as agents, you really need to just focus on the individuals and sellers that are going to make you money. I love that. Very well said. All right, Ruth, I mean, Noah, next question's for you. How do you keep your team motivated when obstacles and conflicts arise, which is probably almost always? Yeah. Well, I mean, I love the question about obstacles because 
know, you have to use those obstacles to, to fuel and, and, and ignite your fire because life is all about obstacles, right? And, and the people that are the most successful are the ones that are able to navigate around those obstacles, whether you go around them, whether you go over them, whether you go through them. So, so in motivating, you know, your, your people to get around the obstacles is about mindset and about teaching them um, that obstacles are going to be, are going to present themselves. How do you get ahead of them? What happens when you approach those obstacles? And, and it's about having little wins throughout your day, right? What are, what are little things that are going to motivate you throughout your day? Because the little wins build up to, to bigger wins, right? Just like the, the same way when you have, you know, little negative things, those little negative things build up to the big negative things. So keeping them motivated, keeping them happy, trying to help them find things that are going to uh, make them happy and understanding what motivates them. Um, this way, when obstacles do come up, it's not um, an, an, an impassable obstacle, right? When, when things come up, it's not just about like a total roadblock for them. It's like, all right, let's just figure out what we have to do. Let's figure out how do we come up with a plan to navigate around it and let's do it. But you can't do that without the proper mindset. So the way I motivate them is, is all starting with, you know, proper training and as far as mindset goes. I love that. You know, I'm a big believer in something I tell my team all the time. Obstacles are actually opportunities uh, because if the obstacles that Noah faces or Lisa or Ruth or myself, they're everywhere and they don't stop. Uh, but a lot of people let those obstacles stop them. And if you have the mindset, like Noah said, like, you know, I'm against a wall, I'm against a challenge. I need to go through it, around it, whatever it may be. That's, that is the opportunity. So when you face those challenges, remind yourself, work backwards, know that there's a solution. You can pick up the phone and talk to Carrie or your coach or whatever it is. Um, and there's always a way to get through the obstacle, especially when you have the right people in your corner. Love that. All right. Uh, Ruth, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a real estate agent sitting in that room right now who, uh, or when it comes to building their personal brand inside of the business? Awesome. Um, well, I think there's probably people at all different stages of their business. So I'll start kind of at the beginning. And so if you're just getting started, I think the most important thing for you to do is build your contact list. And this is not something that ends ever, right? You're constantly needing to fill that pipeline. And maybe as you get more money and you have more money to invest, you're, you know, getting that filled through advertising or different ways, but you meet people every day and you have people that you know. And so I think capturing those people, and for me, it takes having an assistant that I, if I meet somebody, I blind copied her at, you know, contacts at ruthkrishnan.com. And those people automatically get put into certain funnels so that I can always follow up with them. And if she has a question about what kind of funnel they would be in, she'll, you know, we have a meeting once a week and she'll check touch base with me and make sure that that's addressed. But I think a lot of times people are networking and picking up a lot of business cards and throwing them in their purse or their back pocket. And then they get washed in the washing machine or whatever. Nothing ever happens to them, which is a massive waste of time. So I would say build your contact list and continue to build it and make sure that you're, you're capturing all those people is huge. I think that, um, again, um, something that anyone can do and there's ways to do it on the cheap and there's ways to do it on the expensive. And I think you start with whatever you always do the best thing that you can afford. So video, everyone can do it from their phone. 
Um, I also have found that doing more high level production video has been really valuable to me. I have, you know, actually some things that need to be updated and had a schedule to update that. And then COVID happened, but I have some great videos on my website and I feel that when someone goes onto my website to research me, they might hate me. You know, people know if they like you within 30 seconds. So if they're like, oh, dang, this girl like annoys me. Good. Don't waste my time, you know, calling and interviewing me or, you know, having me go to your house and, you know, doing this whole long interview. If, if you're going to know in 30 seconds, whether or not I, I jive with you or not. So I think video really gives that. And then it also gives a great opportunity for authenticity. So through video, I think everyone um, identifies most with people who share pain. So, you know, instead of being always, you know, this professional buttoned up person, I think every once in a while saying like, this is what I'm going through or sharing some things that are going on in your life really allows people to connect with you a lot more. So I think that, that, that as far as a brand is important, I think the use of websites is very underutilized in our business. So I would say that one of the important things with websites is actually uh, getting that domain presence really early. So the, the sooner that you buy it, the more that you're going to be able to gain presence. So it's hard to catch someone like me or, you know, Carrie or Sam who have like so many years in the business. But when I started, I thought the same thing. It's like, Oh, how do I catch all these people? And here I am 10 years later and I have some of the best search engine optimization really in the business. I'm definitely in my marketplace. Um, so getting that done early and again, just paying as much as you can to keep building on that brand. The first website that I had, I built myself on Wix, you know, and it, it was better than a lot of them at that time, 10 years ago, but it's way better now. And I'm in the process of spending another $30,000 completely revamping it right now. So, um, I think the website is big and, um, yeah, I think those are, those are some of the most important things. And then tracking is really important. So making sure that you're giving things enough time and really, really tracking it. I think sometimes people try something for a little while, but branding takes a long time. And so, and it has to be consistent and done over time. Totally agree. Very well said. Uh, one other thing I'd add to that, that I know if you're here right now, you've experienced this with uh, Dan and Carrie. Uh, it just retargets. They get your attention one time, and every time you open your Instagram, your Facebook, your YouTube, uh, you're going to see their beautiful faces and their awesome message, and and it's just consistently, you know, land, air, sea, everywhere, being that omnipresent. And I think everyone on this call uh, does a great job with that. All right. Uh, next questions for Lisa. Lisa, in your opinion, how important is it to establish a niche inside of your business? So. I have never operated my business like that. Like I've never um, farmed a specific area and said, this is the area that I work with. When I first started real estate, I was working, I was trying to get a lot of listings close to my office because the average sales price was around like a million, 1.1. But I started in the market of 2006. And that's when in Miami, we had a really big crash in the market. I would go on listing appointments. People would say, hey, I can't sell my house because I owe X amount of dollars on the house. So I said, you know what, forget it. I started watching the market. What's selling? So homes like 300,000 to 400,000 were selling. I would sell a bunch of them. I um, 
saw that a lot of people were underwater. I contacted a lot of the banks and said, hey, I would like to sell your foreclosures or do your short sales, whatever you need. I'd like to be your go-to agent. And this was before any of the agents were really doing REOs because the properties that first came on the market were really terrible areas and low price listings. But, you know, I was new. I didn't care. So I started selling them. And then it was, um, I was pretty much the top foreclosure agent in Miami. And Miami was a really big market for that. So that led to me selling properties all over. Some of my listings were about two hours away from each other. And once the foreclosure market stopped, I still marketed those areas. My signs were still all over when you sold 4,000 listings and you have your signs everywhere. That's a lot of marketing in itself. So it was really hard for me to then say, okay, I only want to market this specific area because Miami changes a lot. Sometimes the condo market's on fire. Right now, the single family homes are on fire. In the last 90 days, we've had 42 homes in South Florida sell over $10 million just because of all of the people from California and New York flooding for tax purposes and COVID to South Florida. So you really have to watch the market trends. And I think if you lock yourself into a specific area and say, I only want to sell my building or I only want to sell around me, then it really limits your selling potential. So I personally have a theory where I never say no. I take any listing that's sellable that I will get a commission from and I sell it and I do my best job and that leads to other business. And that's how I've operated my business and it's worked really well for me. And I love the same thing. I have a theory that if someone wants to pay me, I'm going to go ahead and allow them to do that. Right. So, uh, and cash is king. And the more deals you do, the more uh, opportunity you have to leverage into new markets and do better marketing. So, very well said, Lisa. All right. Noah, next question for you is which affiliate relationships are the most important to build out in order to be a top eight? So, I think the, the one that, you know, when you talk about affiliate relationships, I think what people typically think about is like your mortgage company, your title company, maybe your insurance or home warranty company. But I think if we take a step back from what affiliate is and, and, and really how we think about that, we have to think about every single person is a potential client for us, right? Everybody needs a place to live, right? Theoretically. So everybody's a potential buyer or seller or renter. Everybody's a potential client for us. So these affiliate relationships can stretch out to other industries as well. And I think a lot of times real estate agents pigeonhole themselves into trying to get referrals from mortgage companies and title companies and so on. And, you know, those, those companies can only give out so many referrals. So when we, when we think about affiliate, where we build our relationships out on affiliate is really, we don't, we don't, we don't actually just have one source. We, we go to every, every single person that could potentially be a referral source for us, any type of business anybody that we can be in a relationship with anybody that, Hey, what can we do to help you out in your business? And then in turn, you know, when the time comes for them to think about real estate, they're thinking about us as well. So I don't, I don't know that I can give you probably the answer you're looking for, but I just think about affiliate as every single person that could possibly send us a referral. I love that. You know, that's something that I'm always teaching uh, my agents and other people I coach is uh, there's so many people out there that have your customer before you do divorce attorneys, bankruptcy attorney. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think a great way to build your database is to build relationships with those people as well and, and continue those affiliate relationships and, and deals flowing in. Love it, Noah. Hey, hold that thought for a minute. 
Do you have a client that needs to buy or sell a home in the DMV area? Then why not trust the highest selling team in the DMV, the Kerry Scholl team? We've helped thousands of buyers and sellers and would love to help your clients. And we guarantee we will save them time, money, and stress throughout the process. And they will be so grateful that you referred them to us. Go to kerryshoal.com to learn more. Again, that's kerryshoal.com to learn more about sending us your clients that need to buy or sell a home in the DMV area. That's kerryshoal.com. Next question, back to Ruth. Ruth, who do you look to for inspiration? A lot of people. Um, I have to say, when I first got in the business, I was working with this coach. And, you know, I didn't know all of you guys. I didn't know the Sams and the Carries. And, you know, I was literally like a few months in. And maybe I was like eight months in. And he he said, Ruth, I was really struggling with life balance, work-life balance. I had my first son a month before I got my real estate license. And so, you know, I was trying to like figure out how to be a new mom and how to start this business. And, you know, I had left a job or lost the job rather than 2009, lost my business, fell apart that I was making pretty good money in and I kind of had to make it happen. And, um, and so he said to me, who in your business, who do you know, like that is a real estate agent that is killing it, making lots of money and has a good life balance. And I said, there isn't anyone like there's no one. And he's like, really? Like, are you sure? I'm like, dude, you don't get it. Like in this business, you like either like, you know, you're either like a slacker and you're in the like average doing four deals, a, you know, a year and, or you're like giving it all up for the business. And that's what I had experienced at that time in my marketplace. And, um, and he was like, well, gosh, Ruth, we're going to have to make somebody up because you need a role model. You have to have somebody who, you know, has done this before. Otherwise you're not going to be able to figure it out. And I think we did make somebody up like an avatar. But actually meeting Carrie, I mean, this is going to sound cheesy since this is her show. Um, but me, when I met Carrie, I was like, wow. And I continue to be really wowed by Carrie and all that she's accomplished in terms of all of those things. Having life balance, having a very, very big mindset without fear, um, which is something that I struggle with. I mean, you know, Sam, you've seen it where, where we had that guy come and talk about uh, Sharon when he did his listing presentation and the next closing table, Carrie comes back and she's like, yeah, so my team made like, you know, $600,000 extra in the last six months implementing this new listing presentation. And we were all like, oh, gee, that was still on my to-do list. <laughs> so um, just watching Carrie over the years and, you know, blow it out of the water has been useful. And, you know, we need different role models in all places. So, you know, Tony Robbins, I've followed for years and, you know, he's a huge role model. And so, you know, I don't think I don't have just one. I try to have like professionals in all parts of my life where, you know, I'm surrounded by people who I know can do things. And so that I can kind of like step inside of their body as me and feel that on and be like, okay, this can be done. And so I think that, that you, you know, there's that saying that you are the sum of the seven people that you surround yourself with. And we can't always get in a room with those people, but we can surround ourselves 
on YouTube or, you know, with podcasts and, you know, there's easy ways to surround yourself with really amazing people all around you all of the time. I don't know I about that. you guys, but I felt this shoot. I was in suspense that whole time waiting for you to say who you're going to say. I had my fingers crossed hoping you were going to say my name. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I got to get to know you a little bit better. But I mean, you know, between um, like, I mean, Lisa did what, 36 listings her first month? I mean, I was like, dang. Uh, but you guys both seem really amazing with all of your. Um, your leadership too. I would love to get to know you better. And so next time it can be you. <laughs> no, you're goal. my inspiration. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I just want to piggyback off of what Ruth said, the inspiration and the people that can motivate you are everywhere. And I believe that it's the easiest way to brainwash yourself, to believe that you could do more, um, to understand the, the possibilities and kind of keep your head in the game. So uh, I love what we've shared. All right, let's move on to Lisa. Uh, Lisa, what qualities do you believe make a tough performing real estate agent? So I think one of the, I mean, the biggest qualities is someone who works hard. Um, in real estate, you get calls all day long saying, I need to show the property at this time. I need to do it this time. And like piggybacking what Ruth said, it's, it's hard when you have children. I have children myself, but I mean, you really have to, make those appointments or have a team member that can make those appointments. So I think someone who's always answering their phone, always accessible, never says no is the number one quality. Then I think the next is, you know, being really trustworthy, like telling your sellers exactly what they want to hear, even if they don't want to hear it. Like if they want to list a house for a million and you think it's only going to price for 800,000, like be upfront about it. Cause if not, they're going to hold you to that number and you're going to lose the listing you know, three months from now when you're looking for a price reduction. I'm also really upfront with sellers and what they need to do with their properties. If they need to do some updating or if they need to, you know, take some stuff down in their house that might be important to them. You know, I, I really like to say it how it is and be the professional because they need to hear the truth. And I think it's also important to be really truthful and trustworthy with co-brokers because they're going to be circling back around again. And if you're a know-it-all and you're rude to another co-broker, you know, six months down the road, they may have a listing that you want to show. And it's important to have a really good reputation in your market because your agents may want to bring buyers to you. You know, you may have someone that has a buyer that lives an hour away that doesn't want to show the property. They may do a referral for you. So I think the, the nicer you are to co-brokers and the more trustworthy you are to your sellers and in your industry, it's going to get you far. I think those have been the, the biggest key points that have helped me in my business. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Noah, what are the critical changes in your opinion that need to happen in the real estate industry to keep up with the times? I, I wish I had the, the exact answer because then I would just go and, and create it and do it. But I'll, but I'll speak to some of the things that I think are needed, at least in Philadelphia, because I know some of these things around the country already exist, but they don't in, in Pennsylvania because of regulations. But, but for us, um, if I had to sort of, you know, make certain things like uh, part of the industry, um, no more checks, right? everything, all payments would be digital and we would have 100% adoption in that. Right? I, know, I know that stuff exists. But at least not in my market, it's not, it's not 100% adoption on that. We still have to deal with checks and other forms of payment. So for me, all digital will be the way as far as the payments go. Um, the other thing kind of around that same thing is uh, 
virtual closings. Again, I know that exists around the country, but in Pennsylvania, it's not uh, one of the regulatory things yet. So we still have physical closings. Um, so that would be another thing, at least in Philadelphia, that I would see would be a big thing that would be changed in the industry. But I, but I am looking for what the next, what the next thing is. So I, I would be curious to, to hear what, what you think the next thing is, Sam. You're always on top of this stuff. You know, I think that ultimately, I believe that a few years ago, it was looked upon badly if you had one house that offered all solutions from mortgage to escrow to moving to everything. I believe that uh, the teams, the, the brokerages, the, you know, the outfits that can provide a fully seamless experience um, from start to finish and, and encapsulating it all into one thing uh, is going to be a big part of the future. And I know it's something that some brokers are working on, we're working on. In addition to that, I, I think that this is a I believe that uh, in the future, brokerages will be holding inventory. I think that, you know, a company like mine will partner up with the right capital partners and, and we will, if you want to sell, you want to buy, great. Well, let's take your home, put it off the market. We hold the inventory and then we'll help you find something else. So I think a lot of things are going to change, but I'll tell you that uh, one thing for sure is that our adaptability is, to me, the backbone, it's critical. Like, it, it's going to change. And I see a lot of agents stomping their feet saying, well, I don't like this, or I'm scared of that. You just got to learn to flow with it. And, and we can always continue to thrive and win. Um, but I do have one more question for you, Noah, because of your uh, microphone challenges earlier. Um, what is your advice on maintaining your competitive edge? Okay. Uh, that's a good one. So a couple of the things that I do to, to maintain the competitive edge is, is number one, I, I study other industries. I think it's really important to take cues and, and good, uh, good things from other industries and bring them back to how they can relate to the real estate industry or whatever business you're in. I, I say stop asking people who have never been where you're going for directions, right? Stop stop taking advice from people that, that have never been where you want to, want to be going. I, I, I think I maintain my competitive edge by... Um, focusing on the long-term play, right? We say long-term play, short-term hustle, um, all based on authentic relationships and trust. So you have to be thinking with the long-term perspective in mind. It allows you more time to build out the things that you believe uh, are important to build out, right? Because, you know, if you say, hey, I'm, this is where I'm trying to build in 10 years, you know, you have 10 years to build it. Whereas some people say, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do something and they give it six months or nine months or 12 months and it doesn't work. And then they stop doing it, even if it's a good idea. So, I try to maintain that long-term perspective in everything I do with real estate and investing and building businesses. Next thing would be is, is really just taking action. You know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of taking action. I say uh, imperfect action beats a perfect plan every time. So, you know, whether, whether or not you have that perfect plan, still just moving forward and moving the ball forward will we'll get you to where you want to go a lot faster. And, and again, I mentioned this earlier, but I'll mention it again. It's just giving yourself little wins throughout the day. Right, little things that make you happy, whether it's going out for a walk or exercising or whatever, you know, watching a show that makes you smile or happy or listening to a song. Again, doing those little things throughout the day and staying in that routine will build up and help help build up that confidence and and um, you know build that oxytocin in your brain, which will keep you uh, feeling good and keeping you competitive. Awesome, I love that. Um, something I'll, I, I'll add to that about throughout the day, keeping your, your mind in the right place. 
I'm a big believer that success is really 90%, maybe 80% mindset, 10, 20% what you do and how you do it. So something that I've always said is, you know, take an hour out of the day and break it up into four 15-minute chunks and, and allow yourself to have four 15-minute mindset breaks where you can start the morning and watch or listen to something motivated because it does something to your brain. It makes you believe in yourself and execute harder. So do it at nine, do it at 12, do it at three, do it at the end of the day before you break. You know, your brain is like a motor as the same way your engine needs oil, your brain needs positive thoughts because um, this business will kick your ass, right? And um, and taking the time for yourself and focusing on your mindset's big. So I have a question that I'm gonna ask all of you guys and we'll start with Ruth. Uh, Ruth, how important in your mind or for your success has like seminars, coaching, stuff like that been? And, and what would you say to people that are thinking about working and, and spending time learning the business, hiring a coach? I know for myself, you know, we spend two, three months a year out of the office in different masterminds and events with people like Carrie and you. So tell us your perspective of this. Yeah, I'm huge, huge, huge into like coaching and learning. I I have a lot of different coaches in my life, like fitness coaches and business coaches and, you know, just hired someone to help me learn a little bit more about syndications. And I have somebody else helping me learn how to like scale up my business. So all different, you know, all different coaches. I, I got some messages actually when I posted Carrie's thing, cause I think it said free somewhere. And then somebody texted me and was like, Oh, they're asking for $59. And I'm like, okay. You know, like you have to like spend money to build a business. And, you know, it, most people in, in professions go to school for long periods of time, like real estate, you take a test and, you know, you have your license and you're supposed to like go out and build something, but it really doesn't work that way. We have to like constantly keep learning. And I find too, like, you know, we work really hard. So taking that time to just get away and like work on the business and be fully immersed in something, it really recharges me. And I, I really need it. And I, I really recognize that I knew it before, but this year when that was sort of taken away from me, if you will, with COVID, right. I just was like, ah, and I just did a four day uh, Tony Robbins, like virtual leadership class. And I had been really, really resisting it. Cause I was like, no, I want to wait and go in person. And finally I was just like, you know, Ruth, like you got to do whatever you can do in this moment. Cause you need a recharge and you need that time to like reset and learn and get inspired so that you can bring that back to your team and continue to inspire them. So I, Honestly, like I, 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 I feel like I can't live without it. Like I have to have that part. And it's part of actually what makes me love the business because I feel like you really can't be successful without it. I love that. Very well said, Ruth. Uh, Lisa, what's your take on that question? So I think it's really important. Like you were saying, Sam, it just does something to your mind when you hear other people being really successful. Like when I started, I took, I worked for Cole Banker. And I took this fast start class and this guy came in and he was saying how he had all these listings. And I remember thinking in my head, this guy is, he looks crazy. Like he doesn't look like he could sell a lot of properties. Like if he can do it, I can do it. So I think it's important to hear how other people are operating their business, how what's worked for them. 
And you can also, like, if you're smart, you can say, okay, that's not working for them either. You know, that is working for them. And you can use that for yourself. I know when I started, I also looked at the top agents and, and took a lot of advice from them. And, uh, and now I like to look at some of the younger agents because, you know, they're really tech savvy. They're really good with the marketing. Uh, I think it's important to look at the, the younger people or maybe even bring someone younger on your team that can help you because that's where the market is. You know, we're doing a lot of virtual showings here in Miami. There's buyers that um, my neighbor just sold his house for $16 million and the guy never stepped foot in it. He did it through a virtual FaceTime. Um, it's, it's really crazy here in Miami right now, but I think you need to you know, learn from other people, learn from other agents and learn from people that are, that are coaching, but also learn from people that, um, you know, like I said, a little bit more tech savvy. I love that. Great answer. Noah, you have any thoughts on this? I, I would say the same, same as what, what they said, nothing, nothing to add to that. So, you know, uh, I'll just touch on this real quick. I'm a big believer in coaching and training and all that stuff. And for those of us that are in the room, remember that you're always going to pay full price when it comes to success. You're either going to spend two, three, four, five, ten years trying to figure it out on your own, or you could spend two, three, four, five, ten thousand bucks to have someone teach you how they've done it. And success leaves clues. But we can have people that have been where we're trying to go give us the roadmap, give us the blueprint. Um, and say, no, not that way, this way. And that's not working, try it this way. So, you know, I'm not saying go sign up for a coach. Don't sign up for a coach. What I am saying is you're you're really shooting yourself in the foot if $59 is going to keep you from attending an event like this or if you have the means to, to hire a coach. Like, it only always works if you do what the coach says. I'm a guy that could barely graduate high school, didn't go to college, I spent money I didn't have on coaching and, and stuff like that. And it's done wonders for my business. And I know that for all of us on this call and for uh, Carrie and Dan, they want the same for you. So really consider, uh, you know, what you can do to put yourself in the right environment with the right people. So we have a few more minutes and anyone can take a stab at these. What do you do to keep yourself motivated? Like how, like what's your motivation retreat? Like, uh, routine how do you stay positive how do you keep your mind and your your head on straight Noah you want to take a stab at that yeah I'll, I'll take this one um so I I think I could take this in many different directions so we could talk about business we could talk about personal but I think having something to constantly look forward to is, is what motivates you so I'll give you a couple examples let's talk about the gym right so everybody well I guess not everybody but a lot of people work out and you know, if you were like me, I used to go to the gym and I would I would lift weights to try to get big, right? Well, what does big mean? It means nothing, right? Um, and then you would get there and then you would stop working out because uh, you kind of got there, right? Or maybe you didn't get there. Um, so I changed my mindset as far as the gym goes. And I started doing uh, obstacle course races a couple years ago, Spartan Race, Tough Mudder, you know, those types of races. And then now when I, when I would go to the gym uh, to like CrossFit, um, now I was training for a race, right? So now I, would, I wouldn't just go to the gym just for the sake of going. Now I was going with a purpose to train for a race that I would have in, in a month, right? So now I had something to do. Same thing in the personal life, right? I, I would always, um, when people ask me what my goals are, 
I put my goals together at the beginning of the year. And the goals for me are to have one, at least one memorable experience with friends and family every single month. So I would, I would put something in the calendar every single month that was a good experience. And what I realized was that a lot of people like to do fun, cool things, but people don't typically like to plan those things out. So I said, all right, if that's my goal, if my goal is to have these experiences and I can't wait for other people to invite me to do things, I just have to put them in the calendar myself and invite other people to come along with me. So that could be a trip. That could be going to a football game or a sports game. That could be going on a, a hike. It could be you know, a, a Spartan race. It, it could be whatever, right? You can pick, pick whatever adventure you want to pick and you put it in your calendar and then you just you know, some of it's with your spouse, some of it's with your friends, some of it's with your extended family, maybe some of it's with clients. Um, but at least you have something to look forward to every month. So now when you're going to work and not, not that we, we have this in our business really, but, um, you know, you go to work Monday to Friday and you're like busting your butt. So you can look forward to that, whatever you have planned for, for the weekend or for, for the next thing, or, or you're working hard to make money so you can go to that trip that you want to go to. So what motivates me is putting something in the future that I can look forward to and something to work towards. I love that. Very well said. Ruth? Uh, I love that too. Once a month, I wrote that down. That's a great idea. So for me, it's all about accountability. And actually, that's one of the things I love about having a team is that you know I'm, I'm in charge of keeping them accountable, but really while I'm keeping them accountable, they're keeping me accountable. So I think everybody has to understand their own recipe, but I've created a culture in my company where, you know, we do a daily gratitude, video gratitude. So we're like connecting with each other. We also have something that we call a greatness tracker and everybody has a different one and they adapt it based on their goals. And we're talking about all the time, both personal and like business goals what we need to be tracking. And Noah, you talked a lot about that, like tracking, right? Like checking the box off of like, here's the key things that I need to do on a consistent basis to make sure I need to get to go where I want to get, right? Get to where I want to go. You know, I think there's a quote that says, you know, success is found in your daily routines. And I really, 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 really believe that. And so that's something like, we, as a team, we all have this like shared greatness tracker and we send it out to each other and we're updating it. And so just having that accountability. Like I've learned that about myself. Like I have to pay a trainer to like jump on a zoom call with me now because we don't do things in person here right now, but jump on a zoom call with me three days a week. It's very expensive, but guess what? If she's not there at 6am, I might just not get out of bed. If she's there, I'm going to go in there. So the cost of my own self-discipline for knowing that about myself is actually very high, but guess what? Now I get to work out and have for several years, like three times a week. So that that's what works for me. Love it, Ruth. Uh, Lisa? I think you have to I mean, be honest with what motivates you. When I first started, uh, what motivated me was making money. I wanted a really nice place to live. I wanted a really nice car. I wanted nice things. So I knew that if I sold X amount of properties, I'd make X amount of money. And then once I think you get to the top, um, you know, you want to stay there. Other agents are looking up to you for advice. They're looking up to you to see what you're doing. If you're a top brokerage, if you're a top company, if you're a top agent, like you want to stay at the top. You want to set the trends. You want to break those records. You want to sell things. So I think now what motivates me is just being great and not necessarily the money because the money comes when you are, when you are great and you're selling properties. Those are what has, um, you know, motivated me and my business. Love it. 
Uh, well, I'll share my thought and then I think it's time to break. Um, something I learned probably about 15 years ago that was very impactful and something I still do to this day is uh, I started a book and one of my goals is to have a thousand goals written in my book. A thousand different things I want to achieve. This car, that trip, donating this much money to that charity, whatever it may be. And as much as I can, ideally every couple of days or, or a week or so, um, I open that thing up and I look at all of the things that I want to achieve because when you're going through the grind and, and things go up and they come down, uh, it's hard to stay motivated. So consider like writing your goals out. And, and it's really cool for me. I'll open up my goal book uh, just to get inspiration. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, I did buy that car. Or, oh my gosh, I forgot that I went on this trip or whatever it may be. And you know, when you when that happens and you get to write victory across the goal that you wrote out six months ago or a year ago, you know, I just got a car the other day that was on my goal list from like five years ago and writing victory across that thing, like is so inspiring. And when I feel like crap or I'm against the wall, or I don't feel like doing something, I get to remind myself like, dude, 10 years ago, when that car was written on your goal list, you didn't even know how you were going to get there. You didn't know if it was possible and you made it happen. So what's next, right? Like what's next and continue growing your motivation or your goal list, continue to pay attention to it. And whatever you do, make sure you stay involved with Carrie and Dan and, and they, you know, they've got it figured out and they can help you get what you want out of this life and this business. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests, improve our shows, and give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.